So why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read the scripture together. I told our first service that there's some sermons that you like and then there's some sermons you really like. And I really like this one. I find that the sermons that I preach to myself are the easiest ones to preach to you. And so this has been a theme of, of my life. And so I want to uh, convey it to you. We're in a sermon series called Vision and we're, we're covering, I, you know what, can I be honest with you? I haven't decided how long we're going to preach on vision. It may be till Jesus comes back. So if you get tired of it, fine, whatever, whatever, start a committee. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a horrible idea. So we're going to look at vision in the light of our vision in this church to serve, save, and shape our world for Jesus Christ. So the month of August, we're going to put some, put some flesh to that. But I want to talk to you specifically the context of serving today. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 16, say amen if you're ready. All right, if you brought a paper Bible, you can use that. They're legal here. If you got a Bible in your phone, you can use that. You can take notes. You can go to the Bible app and click on events, and you'll find us there. And there's notes in place for you to take notes. And you can also read it on the screen. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had this, a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that the hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received the orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because I thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for your good word to us, Lord, we pray that it would transform our minds this morning, God. We know it has the power to change our life every time we look into it. So we pray, God, this word combined with your presence is already here. would do the work that it was meant to do. Make us the church that can minister your gospel far and wide. 
And we pray that because we were together today, we'd be better off because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. I'll give you a little context for uh, the story that we're talking about. Um, Jesus has died and resurrected. A guy named Saul who had been persecuting the church has had a miraculous encounter with the risen Christ on his way to continue his work of persecution. And he is blinded. His life is transformed. He is saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he is now advocating for the very thing that he was trying to persecute. And so we pick this up in Acts chapter 16. He, Luke is writing Acts and he uses, he uses the word we. So we're assuming that Luke is with him. So it's Luke, Paul, Silas, and possibly Timothy. And they are going to the place of prayer. And on the way, a demon-possessed slave woman starts shouting the truth at them. She's not hurling insults. She's actually saying, hey, these men are trying to tell you how to be saved. Could you imagine? I think, I think at the beginning, Paul was probably like, dude, this is cool. It's like having a billboard for free. These men are trying to tell you how to be saved. But what happened is she didn't stop. So she, so the, it says a couple, uh, the days have gone by and she's, wherever they go, she's still shouting at them. So Paul, I don't know if patience is one of the labels that you would give him, but he waited a couple days. So he waits a couple days, he spins around and I can imagine pointing a long skinny finger in her face and calling the demon out and saying, get out of her in Jesus name. So instantly, it indicates that the, that the evil spirit left her and she lost her capacity to earn an income. She became instantly less profitable than she was with a demon. Can I just give you a little, um, a little life coaching? Sometimes when God delivers you, it excludes you from the current work environment that you're in. Amen? If you're a drug dealer right now and you get saved and delivered, uh, you're probably not going to be like, I mean, God's understanding. I got to make an income. <laughs> if you're a hitman, I'm pretty sure you're delivered and delivered from your occupation as well. So what you find here is now there's a predicament because this woman made a lot of money predicting people's futures. Now, that indicates to me that she was probably accurate, that this wasn't, this wasn't a conjured up thing like she was a scam artist. The Bible indicates that she had an evil spirit who was giving her the power to tell people's futures. So she must have been accurate and there was her, her owners were actually making a large profit off of her. So you can imagine, let, let's, let's play devil's advocate a little bit. You can imagine these these guys who have been making a lot of money off of her, all of a sudden this guy named Paul walks in and says, come out of her in Jesus' name, and your profit margin just shrank immensely. So what is their reaction? They grab Paul and Silas, and they walk him in to the middle of a crowd, and they start a big riot. Now you may be thinking, what happened to Luke and Timothy? Luke's writing... 
And you start to do a little research and you realize that Luke and Timothy probably didn't look as Jewish as Paul and Silas did. Maybe didn't dress as Jewish as Paul and Silas did. So the Romans and the Jews had this little race thing going on. And you notice when the owner said, these Jews have come here and they're encouraging the Romans to do things that are illegal. And so, so you can imagine Luke and Timothy going, we're with you guys, but, uh, you know, we're going to be back here. Uh, cause you about to get ready to get flogged and I'm Luke. I got to write about this later. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bow out of this one. I'm going to support you from a distance, long distance coaching. You got this Paul. <laughs> cause it just says Luke starts out with we, and now Paul and Silas are the ones getting roped up for everything. So this big outbreak, they grab them. And, and just in case you were wondering, the Romans were not as kind as the Jews. The Jews had some limits in the way they whipped people. Romans, no such thing. And oftentimes, as you read in the case of Jesus, they would whip people beyond, beyond recognition before they ever got to a cross. And so you can imagine Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas being whipped with rods. Uh, pretty severely. They tell the jailer, make sure you watch over these guys. He's just doing his job. So he takes them into the most secure place and then even locks their legs in shackles. So this is the circumstance that we're in right now. Paul and Silas are in prison. I'm sure Luke and Timothy are trying to figure out if there's any legal way. I don't know that they gave you a phone call to your lawyer back then, but uh, the, the situation looks pretty bleak. So I want to talk to you about serving. You say, well, what's, I, what's being locked up in prison got to do with serving? I'm not planning on going to prison anytime soon. Good for you. I, um, I, I have an Instagram account. I don't post a lot of things on there. I posted some Africa things and I changed the water pump on my truck the other day. And I thought, well, I'll put a picture of that on there. So, um, but I do see uh, people on Instagram, and if you post this, I'm not upset with you, really, right now. How many have seen like hashtag best life now? Anybody ever seen those type of things? Like hashtag living my best life. I hate those people. Can we just be a little transparent about it? I don't really hate you, but I hate the fact that you post things like that because your best life always looks so glamorous. It like anybody ever feel like that when you're looking at social media, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're like on this perpetual vacation. And so, um, so what happens to me is I start developing in my head what my best life would look like. Can we do that exercise right now? Come on, just close your eyes for a couple seconds. And, and you know what? You're supposed to go with your first inclination. You're supposed to go with your first thing. So just bang, right now, what's your best life? I feel like Tony Robbins. <laughs> All the young people went, who? What's your best life? I, I came up with my best life. It is, it is somewhere near the water. I don't care if it's a beach or a lake or a river. It's somewhere near the water. And it's, um, it's me doing nothing. And somebody bringing me carbs that don't cause me to gain weight. 
or have heartburn. So it's like nonstop donuts, crusty bread with some olive oil and some other stuff. I can eat sausage until Jesus comes back and never gain a pound. But carbs, in March I weighed 183 pounds. I ate four donuts. I weigh two or three now. I'm not lying. I might have ate six. I ate two the other morning. These kids, these kids of ours are devils. They'll go to, they'll go to Crumpy's late at night and then they're just there tempting me in the morning. And I say, get behind me, Satan. I turn around, they're still there. So, um, so your best life, your best life, your best life, your best life. So we're, so what happens is we get these mental pictures of what the best life looks like. Then we kind of, we kind of try to organize our life into that, into that description and, 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 and I don't know about you, but sometimes I get really frustrated because my best life never seems to be actually carrying out in my real life. Can I get an amen? I mean, we're going to go on vacation, but nobody's bringing me donuts. You'd bring me donuts, but then I would gain weight. So it never really seems to get there. It never really seems to happen. And so it's this thing that always seems like kind of just out of reach. But, but what I do is I, is I tend to put things on hold until I get to some place that I'm probably never going to get. If, if you're single in here, you think when I get married, I'll do this. If you're, if you're in a bit of a financial pinch, you think when I get more money, I will do this. If you're having a little struggle in your marriage, you think when my marriage gets better, I will do this. If you, if, if, if you're having a little difficulty in your job, you think when I get a better job, I'll do. And so it always seems like what we plan on doing is kind of out there. It's kind of over there somewhere. When my best life happens, when I can do the hashtag, I'll be able to accomplish all these things over here. And what I find out, and even from this portion of scripture, is that the biggest serving opportunities in my life never waited on my best life. I mean, in reality, when I think about it, the biggest serving opportunities that God has sent my way have happened when I couldn't hashtag anything. When, 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 there wasn't, when, when there wasn't any glamorous part of it, there wasn't anything anybody would look at me and go, I want to attain what he's attained. I want to do what he's done. Some of, the, some of the biggest opportunities God has given me to serve other people, I'm not talking about stand on a stage, I'm talking about to actually serve other people have come when not everything was going well. You see, serving people happens when people needs to, need to be served. It doesn't wait on your hashtag. And so what I was hashtagging was, I'm not there yet, so they're going to have to wait. And I realized, that, now let me preface it by saying this, there's nothing wrong with losing weight. I think everybody else should do it. I'm feeling pretty comfortable right now. A little bit. I think, I think everybody should try to make more money. I don't have any problem with that. I think everybody should have better relationships. I don't have, I encourage you to do that. I think your marriage should be better than it is right now. I don't even know if it's good or not. If it's good, it could be better. If it's bad, it could be better. Or it could be worse. It could be either. 
But I'm not saying throw all that out, like I'm not going to work on it anymore. No, I think you should be healthy. Mentally and physically. I think you should be all those things. I think we should be constantly working towards what God has called us to do. But when we put, when we put serving people on pause because we're not hashtagable yet, we miss out. Amen? So, so watch this. Paul has freed a woman from demon possession. I don't know about you, but that should be like a, hey, that was a pretty good day. Let's hashtag that. Hey, could you stand right behind me? Hashtag free. Hashtag living her best life. Hashtag watch her go now. Hashtag winning. Are we still using that one? I don't know. Only to find himself flogged and locked up in prison. Besides Silas. Now, could you imagine? Paul was not going, hey, Silas, we got we to gotta take a picture of this man. So what, can we stand to where it doesn't look like we're in a jail cell? Like, go over to your right a little bit so I can't see your shackles. Because what we have to do is we have to act like we're not vulnerable. We have to act like if people are going to follow us, we have to act like everything's fine. We have to act like everything is just okay. So if we could get, no, you're going to have to move a little bit over. Turn your face. You got blood on your face. But they find themselves in prison for doing a good thing, shackled, beaten in the dark inner cell of this prison. And the Bible says that they started singing. I'm not wired that way. I'll just let you know that right now. I'd have been like, Paul, shut up. I'm scribbling out a way on this this floor how we're getting out of here. And you can't even sing. So not only are you breaking my concentration, you're a terrible singer. Shut up. Let me figure out how to get us out of here. Because it's obviously the devil attacking us right now. And God's going to deliver us. And then we'll be able to hashtag again. So I need, we need to concentrate. You know, you know, I found this one. I read a book a couple years ago called um, Extreme Ownership. It was about retired Navy SEAL called Jocko Willink. And he uses um, SEAL training principles uh, in corporate settings. Like when you're in a, a corporate uh, board meeting. Uh, punch the biggest guy first. No, 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 that was another book. Uh, no, no, no. He would. He, he used this one principle of called prioritize and execute. And and the idea is that you can't do two things at once. I know all of you are multitaskers, but let me just give you a little hint into it. You're terrible at it, just like everybody else. So the Navy SEAL principle is you can't do two things at the same time. So you pick the most important thing. Do that first. You know what the most important thing you can do in your life? Figure out what the most important thing is. The most successful people I know have this uncanny ability to figure out what the most important thing is. So they can walk into, I've been talking to our staff about this here. They can walk into a situation and instantly know what the most important thing to do is. 
You know, everybody can get down in the weeds in this stuff and they're over here in the, in the frivolous things. And yet, and yet somebody can walk into the room and say, hey, the most important thing right now is this. And everybody go, oh, what are you thinking about that? And so what baffles me is, is the most important thing to Paul and Silas would not be the most important thing to me in that circumstance. Because in that circumstance, I would still be fuming over the idea that God could let me get locked up after setting a woman free. I just feel like, dude, did you even see what happened? I used your name. And now we're locked up. But Paul and Silas were able to put the old Navy SEAL tactic. And they said, hey, what's the most important thing that we can do? You know what? This is the most important thing we could do right now. Maybe they were singing the song. We just singing, there is another in the fire standing next to me. Maybe they were singing that song. Maybe they were singing, maybe they were singing, hey, we're not alone. Hey, hey, it's going to be fine. He's with us. He's our deliverer. He's our strength. And by singing that, the Bible says that all the other prisoners in the cell were listening. <laughs> so I wonder if it wasn't just a random worship ceremony. I wonder if it was, I wonder if it was Paul and Silas looking around the prison going, hey, you know what, man? These guys need encouraged today. And we could be licking our wounds, being upset with God because we got thrown in here with no cause and we were doing the work of God and we got thrown in here and we've been beat up and bruised. But you know what? I started looking around. All these other people are upset. All these other people are downcast. All these other people have no hope. What if we started singing? You see... Paul wasn't living his best life by anybody, any stretch of any imagination. He wasn't living the best life, but what he did was he didn't let not living the best life keep him from serving. He said, even, even with the blood running down my back, I'm looking around the prison going, hey, you know what? That guy's, that guy's got it. He's been in here longer than me. Maybe I could encourage him in my moment of weakness. Maybe I could encourage him in my pain. Maybe I could... Come on, Silas, let's sing. Come on, Silas, let's sing. Let's sing Amazing Grace. Come on, you know that. Let's sing a couple old songs. Let's sing a couple songs that maybe we could encourage people with. And what, what the Bible says is they started singing. And you can imagine... The other guys, now this prison was pitch black at this point in time. There was no light in. The reason we know that is because the jailer later on calls for the light to be brought back in. So it's pitch black. Could you imagine sitting there for weeks, maybe months, maybe even years, laying in this, laying in this place and having two guys brought in, beat almost to death, brought in, sat down, and when it gets dark, they start singing, there is another in the fire. And go on. That's the most encouraging thing I've heard. We got so many excuses. My life is not what it should be. I didn't go to get to go to the beach this year. You know what? I've been working on my truck for the last two days, haven't I? If God was good, come on. I went to, I went to the Ford dealership yesterday not to buy a new truck to buy a part who does that 
if God was good, I would have went there and bought a new truck and drove mine over a cliff. (laughs) But evidently, God's not good. And I don't want to serve anybody because I busted my knuckles up yesterday and and I've got this older truck that I had to replace all the parts on it. I'm not the only one. Come on. Say amen. Say amen. If God was good, my kids would listen. You said that before. Even your grown kids. You said that before. If my, if God was good, And so what we do is we get incapacitated from serving because it doesn't look like our best life. And what you find out with Paul is, even if he's not hashtagging his best life, he's serving. He's serving. He's serving. He's looking around the prison going, hey man, you know what? We're all in here. Let's encourage somebody right now. Let's encourage somebody. Amazing grace. They start singing whatever songs they're singing. And the... And the mood of the, the, you can imagine the mood of the whole place just starts lifting and lifting and lifting. And then a miraculous thing happens around midnight. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God shakes the prison. And all of the cell doors open up and the chains fall loose. Not about you, but if I was Silas, I'd have been like, Lord, God, Almighty, Paul, we are out of here. Wouldn't you? I'd be like, this is a sign of our deliverance. This is what Jesus talked about when he stood up in the synagogue and he said, I've come to set the broken, bind up the broken heart and set the captive free. He was talking about us. He just did it. Woo! Best life now. Been hashtagging Facebook Live running out of the prison. Just running as hard as I can run. Because my incessant need for a better situation keeps me from serving. How about you? But I get caught up always wanting a better circumstance. I get caught up always wanting something else and missing what's most important. And and I started looking at Jesus' life and I realized that he had way more followers. If Jesus had a Twitter account now, He'd have been getting offers from everybody. Jesus would have so many people around him that he couldn't move. And yet he was present with people. This is a, this is a pet peeve of mine. This is a pet peeve of mine. Have you ever uh, been around somebody and shook their hand and you realize as soon as you start shaking their hand, they didn't want to talk to you? Come here, Danny. It looks like this. Come here. It looks like this. Hey, Danny, how's it going, man? Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's happening right now. Uh, all, right. all right, man. Have a good day. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, I, said, I wanted to talk to you. Danny was in the way. That's all right. I despise that. I, I'll be honest with you. I know pastors that'll do it. And I refuse to do it. I know pastors that'll do it. And I'll see them at a conference. And I'll be like, dude, I'm not even shaking your hand. You don't want to shake my hand. You don't want to talk to me. You don't want to know anything about me. You're going to shake my hand and you're taller than me. So you're going to look over my head at somebody else more important. My church is bigger than yours. And you still don't want to talk to me. I hate that. 
I despise it with everything. If I'm walking up to you to shake your hand, you're the most important person in front of me right now. Amen? Hey, you know what, parents? Stop looking over your kids. Stop looking over your husband. Stop looking over your wife. Stop looking over the most important people in your life. Start serving. God says, hey, what's the most important thing? And Paul and Sison go, man, when we get out of this prison, we're going to have a story. We're going to serve. No, no, no. You know what the most important thing is right now? The people that are right in front of us. Let's start singing. Let's lift their spirit. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, Silas. Let's sing. Let's sing. So Jesus was able to be in, the, in a crowd where all these people were clamoring around and pushing up against him. Yet when, a, when a, the woman with the issue of blood walked up and touched him, he looked at his disciples and said, who touched me? And they were like, you must be crazy. Everybody's touching. No, 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 no. Somebody touched me. It's the most important. Let me teach you what the most important thing is. And she crawled up from off of her knees and she went, I touched you. And in the midst of chaos, he looks at her and he doesn't overlook her. And there's so many times in our lives where we're overlooking an opportunity because of something else we're looking for that we think is more important. If I could just get this, if I could just get that, if I could just, if I could just do this, then I'd be able to focus and serve on, but it never ends. And so what happens is we miss the most important thing that's standing right in front of us. So Paul illustrates this one more time. All the prison doors open up miraculously. All the chains fall off. It's pitch black. And somehow Paul realizes that the jailer has come in with a sword. And you think, dude, isn't he overreacting? What you find out when you do a little research is the jailer, whoever was at the jail at the time taking care of the prisoners was responsible for taking care of the prisoners. So if any prisoner got out, it was Roman custom that the jailer would be susceptible to the punishment that the prisoner had been under. Somebody talk about a reason to do your job well. If I preach a bad sermon, I go home and sleep it off. Let somebody out of the prison? No, no, no. You're going in serving his sins. So now you understand why the Roman jailer walks in with a knife getting ready to to kill himself. Now we have a problem. My best life is on the outside of this prison, but now there's somebody standing in front of me that needs served. Don't do this to me right now, God. I'm like six steps from freedom and you're going to put this stupid Roman guy right in front of me trying to kill himself. My best life now is right on the other side of those doors. I could, it'd be so easy to ignore him and go. It'd be so easy to just get out. It'd be so easy to, it'd be so easy to just ignore the people right in front of me because of what I think you want me to do in the future. But there's Paul. Paul realizes what's going on. He says, hey, don't do it. Don't do it. Nobody's left. If I could ever advocate for you not to read through scripture quickly, it's right now. Did you hear what the man just said? Nobody left. Now, I'm trying to figure out how nobody left. It may be that Paul and Silas had such an impact serving them 
with a song service, we used to call it. Anybody remember those days? Man, that song service was good. Maybe they were so in tune with the prisoner's needs instead of their own. Instead of what, the, what looked like them wasting away, they were so busy serving and encouraging the other prisoners that when all the gates popped open, everybody went, dude, I'm just going to stay. It's a good environment. I'm going to stay. So the guy comes in to commit suicide and Paul says, don't do it. Everybody's still here. Don't do it. And so even when Paul could go out and do something better, he saw the most important thing in front of him. And he went, you know what? My life's not ideal right now. This is not the circumstance that I would sign up for on a Sunday morning serve week. This is not what I would do typically, but you're here and you need help. And so while I'm probably not the most qualified guy to help you right now, you're all, (laughs) I'm all you got. So I'll serve you. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. The jailer screams and says, hey, bring some light in here. I want to make sure what they're saying is true. Brings the light in. Everybody's still there. You know what the result of that was? Takes them, cleans them up. He, uh, Bible says he drops down before Paul and Silas. One translation says he calls them Lord. That's a, that's a twist of fate, isn't it? Tell me what I got to do to be saved. Tell me what I have to do to be saved. You know what, church? Your life doesn't have to look perfect to serve the people in front of you. You can be beat up, bloody, bruised. You could have a marriage that doesn't look as good as the one, as the one across the street from you. By the way, if you were in their living room at night, it probably doesn't look good either. Your kids may be acting up. Your, your job might be not going the way it is. You might have made some financial decisions that aren't panning out. You might have ruined a whole bunch of things. And some of it may be your fault. But God's trying to teach you what the most important thing now is. And Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served, and give his life as a ransom for many. And I started thinking about the Last Supper and how Jesus came into the Last Supper with the disciples there. And there was Peter there that would deny him, and there was Judas there that would betray him. And there was all these reasons for him not to serve. Could you imagine if I was sitting in that place, I'd be going, listen, guys, I'm getting ready to get arrested and die, and I can't put up with your mess right now. Let's be honest. You can imagine the anxiety that was building up in the heart and mind of Jesus when hours later he would be arrested and beaten and crucified. It was within eyesight of his future. And yet, he ties a robe on. Walks over to the disciples. So I'm going to teach you something. That not everything has to be rosy for you to serve somebody. Bible says that hours later he would be so pressured about the idea of going to the cross that he would sweat, the Bible says, like drops of blood. And so you don't just switch that on. At dinner he was excited about. At dinner he was losing his mind. At dinner he was contemplating how it would go. There's no hashtag best life. It's just this is the most important thing I could do. If I'm going to die within a day I'm going to serve the people that are around me. I'm going to even serve the people that will betray me. I'll serve the people that will deny me. I'll serve. Because at the end of the day, what you realize 
is that the most effective serving is often when you're most vulnerable. It's when you're the most vulnerable. It's when you're the most vulnerable. And I'll also say this. Serving can be your deliverance. You, you know what? We've had, um, we, we've got a multi-generational congregation here. I like it. We got, we got little kids in the back. We got 25-year-olds and we got 75-year-olds and we got everybody in between. I love that. But here's what I hear sometimes. I hear, I hear from, uh, the majority of the people in here are married. And I'll, I'll hear every now and then from like a 19-year-old, I'll hear, oh, there's just not a lot of young single people here. And I'm like, well, if you stayed and served... You know what I'm saying? Dude, you could be the one hot dude at this church that's 19 and not married. Why would you go to a church with like 50 19-year-old guys? That's stupid. I mean, just the ratios are out of whack, bro. You're not getting it. So when the 19-year-old girl comes in here to serve, you're it. Wouldn't it be great to find your wife serving? Wouldn't it be great to find a business partner serving? Wouldn't it be great to find the love of your life serving? Wouldn't it be great to find the new opportunity serving? Wouldn't it be great to find healing serving? Wouldn't it be great to find deliverance serving? Wouldn't it be great to find the best life now serving, maybe in your worst condition? Paul ends up being escorted out of the prison. found out that he was a, him and Silas were Roman citizens and they decided we're going to sneak him off in the middle of the night. And Paul says, no, you're not. You beat me, put me in the prison and God did a miracle and I stayed to serve that guy. And my theory is, is that jailer became his advocate in an, in an instant. And the next thing you know, in the broad daylight, the officials are walking Paul out. We made a mistake. And his deliverance was for everybody to see. But his deliverance came with the cost of serving when it wasn't perfect. Did you hear that? If you're waiting for things to be perfect until you serve, you'll wait for the rest of your life. But the magic, the beauty, the miracle of what God does is he says, if you'll give when you have nothing, I'll deliver you. If you serve when you have nothing, I'll provide a way. If you, if you give everything, Paul describes it like this when he was sick and, and he prayed for healing and God said, no, my grace is enough. And he writes about it to the Corinthian church and, and he says, what I figured out is in my weakness, I'm the strongest. That's what he says. The band's going to come up really quick. Why don't you stand? I'm going to tell you this one last story. I just got back from Africa. I've got to tell you some African stories. And we'll end with this. The other day I was looking out the back of my window. We have a, a cornfield in the back of, of my house and there's some uh, field that's been cut and I'll see white-tailed deer, deer out there. White-tailed. We don't shoot them yet. Um, it's not hunting season. Well, that would be wrong. So we just watch them. White-tailed deer are different than antelope in Africa. Because white-tailed deer around here have no natural predators except your car. 
So what happens is white-tailed deer will go into thickets and just stay there. Matter of fact, uh, if you're a hunter, you know that big bucks will stay in thickets and they, and, they, and they won't come out. They'll just stay in there. And so what I witnessed the other day was these white-tailed deer, we got, we got field corn about this high now, and, and they just, you'd see them a little bit and then they, boom, they go into the corn. Because in the corn, here, they're safe. Now, in Africa, it's a totally different scenario. So a white-tailed deer here is trying to hide its vulnerability by hiding in the cornfield. In Africa, it's the exact opposite. If you see a Thompson gazelle on the plains of Masai Mara, they're going to be out in the short grass, and there'll be herds of them out there, just out in the open plains. And you're looking around like, dude, are they stupid? I've got pictures of Tompkin, Thompson Gazelle, 150 of them, and then 500 yards away, there's 10 lions laying down. And you're like, hey, they're right there. If you're a white-tailed deer, you'd be diving for cover right now. But here's what the Thompson Gazelle figured out. Their weakness is they have no defense. They're not trying to hide that. They're using it to their advantage. We have no defense. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand out in the open and not hide it. We know we're defenseless against you, but you got to catch us first. And so if I stand out in the open, I can see you coming and I can prepare. I can run before you ever get close to me. So no lion ever gets a full-grown Thompson gazelle out in the middle of the plains. It just doesn't happen because they outrun them and lions are lazy. So they run a little bit and the gazelle just take off. Like they never even get close to them. So I started thinking about this. Paul says, in my weakness, I've I, I, I realized to just embrace suffering. I realized just to embrace persecution. I realized to embrace all these things because in my weakness is where I'm made strong. And I thought we've raised a culture here that covers up all of our weaknesses. When we should be standing out in the field going, hey, I mean, it's just, this is reality. And if I can see that, if I'm out here in the open, I can see the enemy coming and I can, I can get away. But if I hide it, there's no chance. So what happens is when we serve, when we serve, we say, you know what? I'm not really, I'm not at the place where I can serve yet because I don't have a beach house. I'm not at the place I serve yet because my marriage isn't perfect. You know what I found out is the most effective times in my life when I was serving others was when not everything was going well. And I just walked out in the middle of the field and I went, dude, hey, it is what it is. Uh, we're under so much stress now. I don't know what to do. We're going to counseling, blah, 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 blah. Oh, are you kidding me? You had to walk through that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, do you want to talk about it? Sure, yeah, let's talk. Man, and I realized that if I just stand out of the field like the Tompkins Gazelle and say, man, he'll never stand up. He'll never make it with a lion. The lion can't get me. The lion can't get me. And I can help people and help people. But as soon as I cover up and walk into the thicket, I'm as, I'm as dead as you can possibly get. So what I want to tell you today is this. If you find yourself in a difficult circumstance like Paul was, 
you need to figure out what the most important thing is right now. And it may be the person standing right beside you, right in front of you, right behind you. And then you need to figure out, look, God, I'm just going to be vulnerable right now. It's the best defense I have. It's the best defense I have because your word says when I am weak, you will make me strong. When I am weak, you will make me strong. So I'm not trying to cover up anything anymore. You put him in front of me. I'm going to serve him with the weakness I have and the strength that you'll provide. Amen. So can we make a commitment to do that today? I don't care if you're hashtagging best life. I don't care if you got everything that you want. If your life is in shambles, God's put somebody in front of you that you can walk with. God's put somebody in front of you right now that you can help. God's put somebody in front of you you can serve. And in your transparency and in your willingness to serve, you can see deliverance. You can see healing. You can see forgiveness. You can see all these things. Amen. And so let's ask God for that opportunity today. Father, we thank you. God, you have put it right in front of us, Lord. And we pray that we'd be able to see it. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just walk away because things aren't going as well as we think they should, Lord. But we'd see the most important thing now. And we pray that you'd enable us to be transparent. We pray that you'd enable us to be relevant to the people around us. And we pray, God, for healing. We pray, God, for deliverance. We pray for provision. We pray, Lord, that as we become your hands and feet extended, that you would do all that you promised. You will provide according to your riches and glory. You give us strength to do all that you've called us to do. Thank you for this moment, God. Encourage us today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, give him praise one more time. He's good. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, encourage somebody on your way out, and let's be serving this week.